No matter what role an educator plays, we are all coming together for one common goal and purpose, which is to help students. I have a special guest for you today, and this episode is going to focus on giving you strategies around critical thinking skills and how to support students when it comes to that deeper level of comprehension. And we are specifically focusing on your students that have language disabilities in the general education classroom. Now, as we know, the skills and strategies that are oftentimes shared for students that do have any type of disability or any type of diagnosis are actually good for all students. No matter your situation, if you have a certain student in mind that you are like, yes, I need to support this child, or whether there is not a certain student in mind, you can still be able to support the students who are in your classroom because what we are diving into today There is literally value for all students. I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. Our special guest today is Hallie Sherman, and she is a licensed speech-language pathologist working full-time in a public school in New York. She is currently working with 5th and 6th grade students, but has experience working with preschool all the way through high school. She is also the CEO behind Speech Time Fun Incorporated, where she helps SLPs working with older students plan with ease and confidence through her blog, TPT Store, SLP Coffee Talk Podcast, and her SLP Elevate membership. I cannot wait for you to meet Hallie and hear all of the tips and strategies that she uses to support her speech students, which also are going to help you to support those students in your classrooms as well as their peers. If you are ready to dive into critical thinking and comprehension skills that are going to support students with language disabilities, we will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. And as you heard in the intro, we have a special guest today. So I am so excited to have Hallie Sherman on, and she is just going to be a wealth of knowledge when it comes to your students that might have language disabilities. So Hallie, thank you for being here. Before we dive into our topic of the day, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself for our listeners? Sure. Hi, I am Hallie Sherman, and I'm the SLP behind Speech Time Fun. I work currently full-time in the public school setting in New York. I work with fifth and sixth grade, although I have experience working with K through 12 as an SLP, speech-language pathologist. We're certified through all grades, and I've had throughout my entire career. However, for the last 12 years, I've worked with fifth and sixth grade, where I support my students with language disabilities, autism, any disability that requires speech and language services. And then as part of Speech Time Fun, I help support speech-language pathologists that work with older speech students to help them plan quickly and easily with confidence so that they can spend more time with their students and not feeling overwhelmed since a lot of speech-language pathologists are not trained on how to work with the older speech students. I just get so fascinated and love the work of an SLP. And so I'm so grateful to have you on the show 
because I truly believe that we can definitely learn from each other, no matter what role we play within the educational realm. And not long ago, you all have heard from a counselor. So I'm super excited to now have an SLP on the show that can actually be able to share a little bit more insight that can definitely help you with your students. Now, I know that you have expertise within the critical thinking and comprehension, which I know is so big, especially with the upper elementary world that we live in. And also how to be able to teach that differently for those students with language disabilities. But before we even get into those tips and strategies, could you just explain what your role is as an SLP? I think that so often there are so many titles that run through a school. And if it's not, you know, first grade teacher, second grade teacher, third grade teacher, a lot of the time teachers just truly do not know what the role is of a different educator, a special educator. And so could you just kind of dive into what your role is and what that looks like in the school? Sure. So although often in the schools we are referred to as the speech teacher, (laughs) I I am qualified to work on articulation, fluency, voice. My license qualifies me to do all the above. However, in the public school setting, in order for a student to receive speech and language services, it has to be adversely impacting their academics. So not only do they have to score below a certain standard on standardized testing to show they are deficient in certain areas, we have to justify that it is impacting their academics. So often people think, oh, they're going to speech. They speak fine. Why are they going to speech? I'm like, well, they do speak fine. (laughs) That's not what we're working on. A lot of times in the schools, especially when they get to the upper grade levels, we're working on building vocabulary. If your students have a weak vocabulary, they're not going to be able to uh, comprehend anything they're reading or learning. Where a lot of times we're working on sentence structure. Not only when you're working on writing, you want them to be able to formulate more thorough, complex sentence structures. But if they don't understand sentence structures, they're not going to be able to understand the reading that they're doing. So if there's words like however and suddenly and although and all these different words that make the sentences very complex and change like the lexile level of some of these passages we're giving them, it has no correlation to whether or not they are comprehending it or not. They're really just struggling with breaking down what the sentences are trying to say. So that's something else we are typically working on in the public school setting. We're also working on listening comprehension. If they can't listen and attain and recall information, that is going to impact their ability to follow directions, to participate, to be able to keep up with the curriculum. So those are just some examples of what we are working on in the public school setting and how what we are doing is correlated with what's going on in the classroom. I love that. And I, I like I said, I think, too, you know, a teacher sees their students being picked up or, you know, being sent out, depending on the age. And they see the kids coming back in really excited, maybe with something in their hands. And it's just <laughs> like, what what did you do? But there is so much going on. And I love that you hit on vocabulary and the comprehension because that is something that they struggle with the older that they get. And I think that that is something that if you ask anyone, what do you think happens in speech? They're not going to say vocabulary and comprehension. So that is so, so incredible. I kind of want to break up both, but with thinking about the vocabulary and the comprehension, I know that, you know, strategies that are used can be used for any student, not just a student in speech, but are there any certain strategies or activities that you've used for strengthening vocabulary that you can kind of walk through, like what that might look like for a teacher to be able to also do to support not only that student that's in speech, but also other students as well. So I often say, I can't teach my students every single vocabulary word. I would love to be able to say like, 
you know, give me a list of everything you're doing in the classroom and I'm going to teach it to them. Well, what happens when you they come across a word that I didn't give them? I need them to know what to do when those words come their way. So a lot of times I'm teaching them explicitly how to use context clues. For us to say, hey, use context clues. That's cute. What does that mean? What are the clues? What does it look like? What am I supposed to be thinking while I'm reading? Often my students struggle with that inner dialogue. They don't know how to think about their thinking and how to self-reflect. And like if I ask any one of my students, especially, especially when they first come to me, what do you do when you come across a word that you don't know? 99% of them will say, I just skip it. Mm. Well, well, that's going to impact their comprehension. What if that was a word that was like basically like the gist of the whole thing? Right. And a lot of times it's most likely not even like a vocabulary. Like a lot of times it's decoding that they have no idea how to sound it out there. So they're just skipping over it. Well, our students need to know like, okay, if they can't sound it out, what word could be there? So I like to start with like really, truly showing them like how to use words that you don't know. So I'll take common words and substitute it with the word blah. So Johnny took out his blah and started writing down his homework. What do you think blah is? And like, well, duh, it's a pencil. And and I, I make it so clearly obvious. I, and I'm like, okay, you know that, but how do you know that? Mm. Okay, well, you heard me say writing, homework, or maybe like he sharpened his blah. I might even add some extra details in there. So clearly showing them, okay, there might be words around it that you have the understanding of, that even if pretend you're an alien and you've never heard of a pencil before, you can figure out that something that you're writing with. Because maybe in whatever planet this alien is from, they might call it something else, they might write with something else, but they might have another tool to do the same thing and they that this alien could figure it out. So showing them, okay, let's make something so obvious. Now let's figure out if it's not so obvious. Let's, let's see. Let's, let's get the gist. What's the main idea of this? What is this all about? What are there some words around it that you do know what it means? And giving them that self-talk, that dialogue. Like I know you often talk about sentence starters and carrier phrases. We can give them those phrases like, okay, if I don't know what, what it means, I can first think about, can I think of another word that can replace it? If not, what is the whole thing about? Is there any other word around it? Maybe there's a synonym. Maybe there's an antonym. Maybe there's an example. And I can kind of figure out, even if I can't explain the meaning of it, I can still get a better understanding of what that word is trying to say. This, like my heart is getting so happy. <laughs> this is so brilliant. And I, I oftentimes love just like actionable strategies. And this is one that does not require any prep at all. And it's so simple and streamlined. And so teachers, what you can start doing is just thinking about, you know, and, and this doesn't seem like it even takes that long to do. And mm-hmm. so even trying to find a time like in the morning or afternoon where you can just do almost like a nonsense word in a sentence and allow your students to start having this dialogue, turning and talking with a partner, talking out loud and sharing how they came up with it. Because a lot of the time we build our comprehension and vocabulary by hearing from others too. And so I love that strategy of being able to use like the blah and making it so simple and just having them start at that very foundational level, because you're right. A lot of the words that they skip, they could just be something where it's like, eh, you know, it might not impede comprehension, but a lot of the time it can. And so we definitely want to make sure that they're not skipping it, but they have those tools by way of context clues. That's awesome for vocabulary. And then you can even go different levels, like what's the part of speech? And then again, you can even build upon that prefixes, suffixes, root words, and we can work on all these different things. We need to start somewhere and give them that strategy of like, is there anything around it that can give you some sort of guidance? 
Yes. And I, I love that too, because, you know, even making a, a list of, of keeping like the prefixes and suffixes, because that alone, you know, can be able to make or break like what that meaning of the word is. And on top of that too, I think th- now that I'm starting to think about this in this way, it is so beneficial. I try to tell teachers how they can be able to kind of use the language they want to see. And so even if you're speaking and it's like, I'm going to personally have to redo what I just did because I messed up or I need to redo it. What does redo mean? And just getting them to think about like, oh, you have to do it again because re means, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just starting to think about all of those ways that you can just have a play on words and a play on sentences and using all types of parts of speech. And then it becomes almost like a game. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I can just, I'm smiling so big because I'm like, oh, this this is so fun to be able to add. And I think the the even better part is when you start seeing your students generating and using their brains and thinking and sharing, that's going to be the super exciting part. Maybe using like just word word webs, like words like set. There's so many different ways that word set is used, like a set of 10. I'm going to set the table. Like there's so many different ways that word is utilized that having them generate some of those thoughts like and making them realize like, oh, I've heard it used here. I didn't think about it. It actually means something different in that sense. Like so teaching multiple meaning words and just different ways that words are used and really having students have a deeper understanding of vocabulary and realizing that it could be used differently just helps them when they get to it in a text that like, oh, they might've heard it one way, but is it used that way? Because so often like they can be so confused. I tell them all the time, like if you were reading a story about baseball and they're talking about the pitcher, but you didn't know that the pitcher is a pitcher in baseball, you're thinking of like the water glass, you can be very confused. Like, why is there a water glass on the field? I love this. I love this so much. And I mean, again, these are very simple, actionable strategies that are going to enhance and deepen just the overall comprehension of that difficult, tricky text and writing that you know your students are responsible for. And so these are just some really quick ways that you can actually add these, let all your students do it, but also supporting those students who really, really need to have that broken apart. So that's so great. Writing Made Simple is a writing membership that helps you engage your students in quick writing opportunities, and I have a gift for you. Maybe you have seen these writing routines on social media or heard it mentioned in a previous episode, but really just need to give it a try before you officially join in the writing fun. I totally get it. So I want to give you access to my step-by-step writing routine for free. This routine focuses on procedural writing and the use of transition words. You will get the animated slides, the lesson plan, exemplars, the printable templates, and the video walkthroughs for this routine. Head to theliteracydive.com slash step-by-step to grab your free writing routine. But with thinking about the other side, which I know vocabulary is really big when it comes to comprehension, but when your students are coming to you and you're really working on the act of comprehension, maybe outside of, you know, basic vocabulary, are there any particular strategies that you have found that really aid and support those students with making that connection between text or between oral language and listening comprehension as well? So I like to utilize, like, just think about like, like Bloom's taxonomy and SLPs. We're not very familiar with this, but like I try to tell other SLPs, 
if our students can't do basic recall, they're going to struggle with each and every level. So we need to build that foundation first. I know in the classroom, you're expected to get to that top tier like in one lesson. And I'm like, okay, that's not realistic for that individual student who's not grasping like and recalling and understanding what to focus on. So you have to know exactly where they're at and where the breakdown is first. And then once you do, you have to also know where are their strengths? Are they auditory learners, visual learners? What kind of learner are they? And sometimes you have to just incorporate all of it. This way, especially in a classroom, you don't know what kind of learner you have. So the aspect is having some visuals, breaking it down into smaller parts and like checking for understanding, making sure they're listening and attending. And also even making sure they have that background knowledge. I always like to do the pre-reading strategies of like, let's talk about what this whole thing is going to be about first. This way, we I truly can see, is there a breakdown? If they don't have a background of volcanoes and we're about to read a volcano, they've never heard of one. Is it truly that they don't comprehend it or they just don't have the knowledge base beforehand to grasp and be able to have a deeper thinking of the text if they if they can't even picture it in their mind and understand it? So I always like to do that pre-reading thing first. This way, if they don't understand something, we can tackle that right in the in the beginning. But when it comes, I always like to, again, explicitly teach things, each skill separately. So say I'm teaching main idea, I like to make it as simple as possible. Is it fiction or nonfiction? If it's fiction, who is it about and what happened to them? If it's nonfiction, what's the topic and what did we learn? Like giving them that basic sentence frame so that they can be successful. Now, granted, obviously we want, there are other strategies and we ask, we can look at the first sentence. Is that always the case? No. And sometimes I have students that will always just tell me the first sentence. I'm like, doesn't always work out that way, buddy. (laughs) I wish. So so giving them that explicit instruction. And I I always start with modeling. I'm going to do it first. Let's, let's see some examples. Let's do them together. I always like to do an I do, we do, you do. So watch me do it. Watch my thinking about my thinking. I, I talk out loud. Oh, I see this. So that means this. And like, it might seem so obvious, but sometimes our students just don't know what is expected of them. And again, like they don't have that inner dialogue to critically think about what they are learning. So that's just one example of how to take like basic recall and getting them to think about like the main idea. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. You you hit so many things because I know we're in the classroom and, you know, teachers are in there and it's like, all you're looking at is like where you have to get to. And so you're wanting to cram, cram, cram and rush. But honestly, doing that slow and steady, making sure they have that bottom layer before moving up is going to work way better than trying to like rush up to the top and knowing that everything else in between is just crumbling. But I love the use of the sentence stems and just being able to say, nope. We are going to explicitly state and answer exactly what this skill is, knowing that in the future, you can be able to go far in depth, add more details and this and that. But I think like what your method is, which is just let's just get to this is going to help them find success. And I think that that feeling of feeling like I did it, I I really did it. I understand it. They have that confidence. And then they can grow with that confidence into going a little bit deeper. So I'm really, really loving those comprehension strategies. And I always love to start with taking the reading piece out. So I'll start with pictures. Like I can pull something from Google Images on New York Times. It's what's going on in this picture. You can pull up, there's a picture of the day and it's very like abstract, like what's going on. Pull that up. It doesn't take any seconds, doesn't cost anything. And you can search the archive for something a little bit more motivating. What's it all about? Who's it about? What are they doing? What's the topic? What are they? What, what did we learn? And then you can go even the next step again with taking the reading piece out. Do a YouTube video. 
There are tons of free videos out there. Colossal Questions has like some nonfiction videos that are little tutorials on teaching you. Like you can go from like, how do, why do we have headaches to like who invented French fries? There's a whole bunch of like any topic that your students might be into, like who invented YouTube to video games. There's even ones on like farting and things like that. So, like, you know, and like, here's the thing. You got to get the student buy-in. <laughs> I, I, if I pull out a video that says, you know, why do we fart? I have their buy-in and they're going to be listening for what's our topic, clearly yeah. farting, and what did we learn? And they're going to get it and they're going to remember it. They're going to recall a whole bunch of important things. But again, getting them to hone in on what's the whole thing about. And then again, you can build from there. Let, now let's work on telling a summary and giving them that framework. Like, well, what's our topic? What was the author's purpose? What are some some key details that you can build upon that? Again, using either graphic organizers, sentence starters, but teaching them exactly and pausing to making sure whether you're reading out loud, them reading to you, watching a video, stopping and making sure. I always say like, you can't wait to the end because then it's becoming a memory task. We have to stop while doing it to making sure they're listening for those key points. You've said so many things. Again, I'm like, oh, yes, the pictures. I think that is so big because looking at a picture and reading and studying that picture, it is reading. And I think, too, that is going to help students with generating the the language and the sentences and the details that they have to pull out because the text is not there. It's just what do you see? And having them share that out is definitely enriching their language and also helping those students to actually speak, which is just so key and wonderful. And I really love too the whole idea of pausing and thinking. I remember even with doing chapter books, but not even chapter books, when we would have to do picture books, it's like you read two pages, you you close it or you put a sticky note, you flip it over. And it's like, you need to recall what you read about, or we need to go back and do it again. Because what we do as readers is we're not here to recall the words. We have to comprehend and understand what the language is saying and use that. I'm telling you, like, get those topics. Like she said, like on farting. I mean, I know, but it is what it is. And it's going to resonate with your students. I have a book and I've shared it on Instagram. And I, it's one of the books that I, it's the best one that I've used every year when I was teaching fourth grade, but it's called From Poop to Paper. And mm -hmm. it literally talks about how they're using like animal poop and it, they turn that into paper. And when you're looking at that cover, the kids are laughing. They're like, what? No way. But then they're also fascinated. And I've never had an issue of having students want to start to finish. And sometimes with books, I will say, you know what? I'm going to give you a preview. If you want to finish this, I'm going to close it. You're welcome to, but I'm not going to force you to. And I've never had a student who's like, I don't want to read that. So definitely thinking about this, the YouTube, the things of interest or that's trending are going to be really great for practicing this skill, the different reading skills or writing skills with them. So I love that. And again, like if they can't recall the basic details as you're going, how can we expect them to critically think afterwards? Right. So just knowing, okay, like I might need to take a step back. Like, is it that they're truly not able to do those high level thinking questions or are they not recalling the details? Did they miss something important? Were they not following something that they should have been? So having those steps in place, it might seem like extra work and it's going to take a lot longer, but you want to have a true understanding of where the breakdown is if there's a breakdown. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, that's so good. You have so many strategies and all of them outside of you know providing maybe a graphic organizer that's a print and go resource, but everything else is just things, honestly, that you can get up and running 
which I think is something really big with teachers, especially upper elementary. Once we get into testing grades, it's like, we don't have any time. And so these are some great strategies that you can get up and running. It takes, you know, low prep to no prep, and it's going to enhance your students and just really enriching to make sure that they're strong in their foundations. But with thinking about the classroom teacher and knowing that they have students who do go out for speech. They do go out for other support services. I know I pulled students for dyslexia interventions. And so knowing that there are other individuals who are supporting the whole child, which we all get to share and just love on, what are some things that teachers can do to support not just students with the language disabilities, but also what would you encourage you know them do in terms of bridging that relationship between the someone like the SLP? What are just some I don't know. I don't really want to call them strategies or tips, maybe benefits of working alongside with that SLP and then also what they can do to support the student. Let us know where the student's struggling in the classroom. Sometimes we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, And unfortunately, it's due to some logistics. I hate to say it. We have very large caseloads. I have over 65 students. A lot of times I'm taking students during the teacher's prep time. So we, when they're off, I'm working with their students. So we don't have the same prep time at all. So unfortunately, there sometimes is just no time of the day. Luckily, my office is right next to the photocopy machine. So some people do tend to pop their head in if they have the time. But even just sending a quick email, hey, I noticed that student A, you know, just really is struggling in my room answering XYZ questions or we're doing nonfiction. And I, I, I don't know how to help the student. Do you have any ideas? Just to let us know what you're seeing and maybe one, we're seeing the same thing or two, maybe we've seen progress or or maybe they've done something. And just having that open dialogue, sometimes as SLPs, we feel like we don't want to bother you or like we're on our own little island. We take them, they go back and we're good. But we would love to work collaboratively and we would love to help support you. So even if it's a student that we are working with together or a student that you have in your classroom that you suspect could benefit from speech and language or Maybe not, but maybe just can use some extra tips and advice. Just ask us. Obviously, you know, due to time constraints, we always don't have always the quick right there results and answers, but we are someone that can give a a different perspective. We might have some graphic organizers that might work with our students. We might have some texts that might be motivating that we can give and share to you. So just being open and having that dialogue and showing that we're a team because we as SLPs want to help out. So. I love it. This makes me so happy because like I said, I, before going into the interventionist role and then also serving students with dyslexia, I did, I became that person on my own little island. I had one counterpart that like worked alongside me and then they cut that position. So it was me by myself and then a math person. So I was by myself and I just, in my heart wanted to support everyone. But like you said, the caseload could be heavier and our prep times are different. But I think you're hearing it now from one person, and I think she's a great representation of possibly the whole that they want to help. They care and love those students just like you do and utilize them as a resource because I know that when the kids come back into the big, scary classroom, it's like they they might be not really necessarily embarrassed to take out the graphic organizer, but if it works in the small group room, maybe that's something that you can utilize with your whole class, but you won't know if you don't ask. And don't just assume that, you know, if the student is struggling, that you have to do it by yourself because we definitely are a team. Every person that works with that child is a team. And so I want to encourage you to look at your roster. And if you see that you do have students who 
go out for various services, try to make it a goal to have a touch point with those individuals, you know, once a week or try for like, try for once every two weeks, just have a quick email and just say, how are they doing in there? Give them a quick glimpse of what they're doing in your classroom and really start bridging that relationship. And I think the child is going to see that and really appreciate that as well. So I love that so much. And a quick tip, if you're not sure why they go to speech, just look at their IEP and their goals. Most likely it's going to have some sort of vocabulary goal, some sort of comprehension goal, and you can get an idea of what the speech pathologist is working on. Just that simple taking a peek sort of thing. Yes. And that's the thing too. I know they they deliver them in the beginning, but I, you know, and I was guilty of this too, with kind of in my beginning days before I really knew like, oh, I have to look at that. <laughs> of getting it in the beginning of the school year and kind of tucking it in the file and not really even one looking at it or asking questions. Cause I would start looking at it, but I'm like, I don't know what this means. And so that is up to me as an educator, as the teacher to actually do my due diligence on behalf of that child as an advocate to go and say, what is this and what can I do to support? And so I think definitely I love being able to bring things in from anywhere. If I found something was working with you, it's like, please, can I utilize that? The same way that a parent comes to you and says, my child won't do this at home. Well, I use a tracker with them. I use a checklist. Let me send this home with you. And you can try to utilize that checklist for, you know, the morning routine or the afternoon routine. But the whole idea is that that checklist works. So let's not withhold it. Let's get on a team and share for the better good. So I love that. And like, hey, in an ideal world, we'd have team meetings on every single student all the time, but that's just not realistic. So as much as possible, having that open dialogue. And if, again, if there's a student in your classroom who might be getting reading support, the, the decoding piece is finally you know, there, but the, if the comprehension struggling and it, maybe they're getting reading and it's not working, maybe speak with a speech pathologist. It might be something more going on that you haven't even thought of. So that's so good. Hallie, you are just, I I could literally sit and talk to you <laughs> for hours because you're just so knowledgeable and such an expert in this field. And I know that you're just helping countless amounts of SLPs and also now just regular teachers who want to be better and want to be able to support those students in their inclusion classrooms. And so thank you so much for everything that you've shared and been able to offer. Before we wrap up, is there any final thoughts or ideas that you can be able to leave our listeners with while they're kind of really now keeping this really big topic in mind when being, you know, the leaders of their classroom. Just remembering that in order to be an effective reader, like the reading rope, we need the background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures, verbal reasoning, literacy knowledge, word recognition, phonology. There's a lot of pieces. It's very involved. And if our students struggle with any one of those things, it can really hold them back. So definitely, you know, feel free to utilize a speech language pathologist in your building. They can help you with a lot of those areas, whether it's someone that they're working with or another student in your classroom. We're all in this together to help our students succeed. Thank you so, so much. I know that, I mean, again, my heart is like fluttering and I'm just like, oh, I just, I just want to keep talking. So if our listeners are feeling even a fraction of what I'm feeling right now, could you please share where they could be able to find you? And if they have specific, you know, questions or concerns, they can be able to access or utilize you as a resource. Sure. So my favorite place to hang is Instagram. I'm on Instagram at speechtimefun, where you can send me a DM. I have a button there for my email. You can contact me by, via email, but I love the DM. So feel free to chat with me there. If you have any questions, I'm always sharing free videos, websites to utilize to work on various fun comprehension goals because, hey, got to keep it fun to keep it interesting for our students. 
I also, my blog is Speech Time Fun. I'm on Teachers Pay Teachers at Speech Time Fun. And I also have a podcast, SLP Coffee Talk, because I'm from New York and I say coffee fun. And I love it. I've listened to your podcast and I'm just, I'm really obsessed with it. And like I said, I just continue to learn from you. So all of those links will be linked in the show notes for you. Thank you again for just sharing your knowledge with us and to everyone else. I will be back with you next Monday. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at the literacy dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMS. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.